0: hey guys welcome back to when the ice cream hits the fan my name is Daniel Harmon I'm chief creative officer here at Harmon Brothers and I have a special guest with me today Jake Christensen yo yo <laughs> <laughs> Jake is a editor and writer and um, sometimes director as well at Harmon Brothers right yep awesome so you've been with us how long now Jake uh six months. Six months. Uh huh. Yeah. I was an
1: intern for three of those, and then full time for three. So,
0: so tell us how. Tell us about that. How did you land an internship at Harmon Brothers? Um. So for
1: for a while before Harmon Brothers, I was working uh, doing freelance video video work. I was working a lot with a nonprofit organization called Operation Underground Railroad, and they uh, work in anti human trafficking. So they rescue mm-hmm. children from sex slavery. And uh, I was working with them, got to go undercover as a cameraman for them. And uh, I was with them for about two years. And it was pretty intense work. And uh,
0: so basically, as a videographer? Yes. With them. Okay. Yeah. yeah.
1: As a videographer. Um, and after working with them for a while, I I loved working with them, but it was it was very taxing emotionally and everything like that. Like it was just yeah. Was, for
0: for some context, for those of you that don't know what Operation Underground Railroad does, they are a really amazing organization that exists to free kids from basically sex trafficking, mm-hmm. and so they'll go into places like um, Haiti. Mm-hmm. Um, Let's see, what are some of the other places that they've gone into? Is the Philippines? Have they? Uh, no. Philippines,
1: I don't think so. No, it's like ha- Thailand, ha- yeah, there's Thailand. Southeast Asia, Thailand, India, Cambodia. Yes. All in that area. There's some South
0: American countries too, right? Uh-huh. And they'll go in and basically um, work with local authorities mm-hmm. so that they're doing everything within the law mm-hmm. and um, basically set up kind of a sting. And find these places where these kid these people are pimping out these children mm-hmm. um, as sex slaves, mm-hmm. and they will um, they'll apprehend they'll they'll basically go in and arrest the the people that are holding them there the the I don't know what they call them like the the sex slave bosses or whatever they are the traffickers yeah. yeah the traffickers that's the right term mm-hmm. they'll get these sex traffickers and um, they'll put them in jail and they'll get these kids out of sex slavery. Mm-hmm. And um it's it's an awesome incredible mission that they're on and a whole lot of good that they're doing. Um but at the same time like you said it's uh it's not light stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It is it's quite the jump going from that working in anti-human trafficking to comedy writing at Harmon brothers <laughs> like that is that is not it's not i mean that's just so different you know that's just two totally different worlds but what i think is interesting is that I, I'm, I'm a very passion driven person I, I, i'm a very cause driven person i'm very driven by wanting to influence the world for the better mm-hmm. and just as i see Operation Underground Railroad making an awesome, positive difference in the world, I see Harmon Brothers doing the same thing. And I see Harmon Brothers influencing the world for good, but in a very different way. Yes. And so that was one of the reasons why I came over to brothers
0: yeah i would say we're cause driven i wouldn't say it's necessarily there are different tiers of causes <laughs> i would say underground railroads um cause is a little bit higher tier than ours so it's pretty amazing i i do know tim ballard i've met him he's the he's the founder, uh-huh, founder and, and, CEO. and ceo there um as well as um his personal i, I forget if it's a personal assistant mike um Mike Parenta, uh huh, yeah. I forget what's he's chief of operations now, or what is he? I uh,
1: I'm not sure what his role is now. For a while, he was just Tim's like executive
0: assistant. Yeah, he's and... an executive assistant. Now he's something else. Yeah, I'm remember. not sure what but it, Mike his Parenta role is now. and I go way back. Um, we're friends. We um, when I was while I was serving a mission for my church in Peru, we were actually companions. No kidding, yeah. you're companions. <laughs> yeah, and That's so awesome. we we uh, we lived together long enough to hate each other and love each other again. (laughs) (laughs) You know, as companions. But um, anyway, so they're doing some awesome stuff. Um, So tell me a little bit about, like, what led you – how did you find out about Harmon Brothers? What attracted you to it? Kind of what's your – where does your kind of creativity background lie? Um, So after working with Operation Underground Railroad
1: for a while, I was doing a lot of freelance work. And, and and I was just, I wasn't really sure where I wanted to go or what I wanted to do, but I kind of had this like sense of wanting to be on a team again. You know, when you're working doing freelance, like the freedom of being able to work when you want and play when you want and travel when you want, like that's awesome and, and really fun. But I was working by myself and I knew that I could only grow so much working by myself. And if I was surrounded by a team of people who were great Then they would help me become great, and so I started putting feelers out there. I was looking at different companies and different marketing agencies and different advertising agencies, and because that that's what I that's where I wanted to go. I, I want to my goal is to get really good at or is to get really good at marketing, so that I can then use that power to continue to influence the world for good as I like saw so much need for at operation or railroad. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but basically my goal is to make good, cool, make it cool to be good. I've okay. seen, I've seen, like so uh, for, before that I worked as a substitute teacher for a time yeah. mm-hmm. and I was substituting one day and, uh, I started talking with this group of kids. It was at a high school and they were obviously like the cool kids in the class, you know? And so we were joking around. I was joking around with them and stuff. And the one kid turns to me and goes, yo, Mr. C, what's the baddest thing you've ever done? And I was like, what? (laughs) And this other kid goes, yeah, what's like the worst thing you've ever done? And I was like, Oh, cause that's like cool. Right. Uh And they're like, yeah, like, a little less confident, and I was like, well, why why is that cool? Like, why is it cool to, like, be bad? And they kind of, like, looked at each other, and they were like, I, I don't it just is, like, I don't, I don't know. And I was like, why don't I tell you about the best thing I've ever done? And they were like... Okay. Yeah, that's boring. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so I told them like what one of like the best things I've ever done and they were like, Oh, that's like way cool. Like and they like really liked it, you know? Like yeah. I felt like it was it was kind of a cool moment, but then it just made me like think for a long time afterwards. I was like, Why is it so cool to like be bad? And like I feel like that coolness of like being bad has led the world down such like a dark hole into to like the darkest of places, which I think the absolute darkest is sex trafficking of children, Yeah, you know? Yeah. And so I think that the way that we reverse that is by showing how cool it is to be good. And I see Harmon Brothers as a way of being able to do that, not only with just, like, our ads we're doing right now, but with some plans that we have in the future that also really attracted me. So um, I saw... Uh, I saw... Uh, as I was looking at different ad agencies, I found Harmon Brothers, and I'd seen the work that harm brothers has done and it was it it, it always amazed me it was also always so cool and so effective and i was just like man these guys are the masters at comedy marketing ads and i think that comedy is how we reach the youth in order to teach them how cool it is to be good that that's just one of my theories but um so i saw harm brothers as like an awesome vehicle of how to learn that and uh i looked at job openings and I saw that there's intern available and it was paying eight dollars an hour, and I was like, "I'm
0: gonna go be a 29 year old intern." <laughs> exactly. I forget how old are you? Right? 29. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, "I'm gonna go be a 29
1: year old intern making eight dollars an hour," which in high school I worked at Subway, which I was making eight fifty an hour. So I was reaching my lowest point in life at 29 years old, financially speaking, and but it was a company that I thought was just so cool, and I just I wanted so bad to learn from Harmon Brothers. And once I got involved with them and I started working as an intern, I just fell in love with it. And I just saw it as such an awesome company. So
0: Awesome. Thank you. That's pretty inspiring stuff, actually, to to take that leap there and just go more for the opportunity. So there's a couple of things I read. There's a book called Hey Whipple Squeeze This, which is um, a classic advertising book written by Luke Sullivan. And I had to read it in school. And in there, it talks about... There's, there's a portion of a chapter that just talks about if you ever have to make a choice between two jobs one being the one that pays well and one being the one that you feel like you'll find the most fulfillment and happiness it said always take it said assuming you can cover your bills right mm-hmm. that you're not going to be a point where you are gonna starve or like get behind on your mortgage or whatever it might be mm-hmm. then always take the job that gives you more of that fulfillment and don't go for the more money. And he's like, take this from someone that's done both, right? And mm-hmm. um, and so I've I always kind of gone with that mentality, and so it's kind of cool to see that. And then one other thing that's interesting, in the backstory story of after, when you were kind of coming to the end of your internship, um, Benton and I, Benton, the CEO of Harmer Brothers, and myself, we sat down, we are talking about um, bringing you on to hire you uh, full-time, and uh, the conversation we had together... Was that um, you obviously had multiple skill sets. We didn't actually know at the time that we were bringing you on what exactly, what role you would fulfill. Mm -hmm. Um, But our mentality was if we get the right people on the bus, then they'll either find the right seat or we'll help them find the right seat on the bus. And then we can all go on this journey together. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of our mentality sometimes with hiring. Is it Often you have a very specific thing that you hire people for, but with us, it was like, oh, with Jake, he's just one of those right people. He's like shown this hunger, this drive. His his vision is aligned with ours. He obviously has a lot of skills and stuff. We don't know exactly what his job is going to look like uh-huh. within here, but let's just get him on the bus. And I, I learned that actually from a former employer when I worked out in Wisconsin. Um, I was working at an interstate batteries um, distributor. And I was, um, I was a, uh, basically I was a sales, um, uh, business to business salesman mm-hmm. at the time. And, um, that was, business that was, to business sales. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it's not the funnest, but I, I love the people I worked with and I loved what they were doing. Uh-huh. And so even though the work I was doing, wasn't my favorite, I've that checked a couple of boxes for me that made me happy at my job. Right. Mm hmm. But his mentality was, whenever he brought people on, he said, this is the kind of individual I want working for my company. He's going to contribute to the team in some way. And even if I don't know exactly how he fits in yet, we'll find a place for him. Uh And so, or we'll find a place for her, whatever, whoever it might be. And so, anyway, I I like that. Um, I love the mentality you came in with. Um, You obviously showed a lot of hunger. And um, that's a really cool background. So you went from that... So, but you worked a lot of different jobs, right? Not just Underground Railroad, right? You've, you've done some of the weird stuff like we have of all the <laughs> like farm things, but I think some other stuff, right?
1: Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, growing up, you know, I mentioned I worked at a subway and then I grew up in Idaho in the Boise area, Eagle specifically, and I worked with different cattle ranchers and stuff like that helping mm-hmm. them brand and castrate calves every year so much fun yeah uh, <laughs> I, I honestly love it <laughs> it's way fun oh my gosh. Yeah, sorry about it but i love it uh working that's like, like
0: the opposite of me i'd give up five <laughs> o'clock in the morning pick up these you know 40 pound aluminum irrigation pipes that i had to move one at a time oh
1: yeah i move pipe too
0: and when they're full of water they weighed 80 pounds and i would just say to myself as i was walking with them to the next 50 feet and hooking them up and uh-huh. then i go back and do the same thing again i was just saying i'm watching the sunrise and i'm freezing to death and i'm wet and cold i'm like i'm going to college i'm going to college i'm going to college <laughs> i remember moving pipe with my brother but maybe castrating cows is way funner i don't know <laughs> it's pretty dang fun <laughs> I, I have friends that did it they were they were you know that were uh cattle ranchers and they seemed to be enthused by that and I was like that sounds terrible (laughs) (laughs) anyway go ahead um
1: I remember moving pipe me and my brother uh we had to move pipe over. like we had to walk through a gate and we'd have to hold the pipe up over our head to go over the fence Mm -hmm. that was like the gate was on And the gate or the fence had a wire running across the top that was electric. I've done this one too. Anytime you dip the pipe down too far on one side, you got electrocuted. Uh, So I was often Uh. wearing rubber gloves. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh,
0: And so that would sometimes insulate a little bit. Sometimes it wasn't very thick rubber. Yeah. So sometimes you'd still get a little bit of a a shock, but I've totally done that one where it's like, okay, I've got to move this pipe over here. (laughs) But there's definitely this electrical fence. Uh (laughs) And it's just straight up a loon. It's like you're holding a lightning rod. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, I've done that one too.
1: Oh man, we never were smart enough to use rubber gloves, but (laughs) um, then for a while I worked in a milk factory where uh, we had to, we would get cartons of milk that were about to expire and then we would break them open into a huge vat and just throw away the cartons and then they would reprocess the milk and re-put it into these cartons.
0: And by reprocess, you mean re- pasteurize or cook it.
1: Yes, yeah, repasteurize, recook it and then they
0: would say good it. as new. So good as new. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly. what you're drinking, folks. <laughs> that's, what that's, you're uh, drinking. that's what you're getting off of your grocery store shelf. <laughs> I mean, I
1: still drink it. <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't bother me. This is why I
0: don't drink dairy milk. <laughs> that and I'm lactose intolerant. But yeah. <laughs> maybe that is why I'm lactose intolerant. <laughs>
1: yeah. I remember that job, it was it was so loud inside the factory that we had to. They had to teach all the employees hand signals so that we could communicate with each other. Oh yeah! Because it was too loud to be able Everyone's to speak to each other. Around wearing uh-huh. mm-hmm.
0: Everyone's wearing earplugs and stuff. Uh huh. Everyone's
1: wearing earplugs. Everyone was wearing these like white aprons and mm-hmm. gloves and boots over your shoes and hairnets. Hairnets. Yeah. And like you, j- I just looked ridiculous like i just remember feeling like i look so dumb right now i have to graduate from college <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that was the one that got get, you to be like I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to college i'm going to college yeah yes oh man
0: it was it was miserable but... <laughs> so that's oh my god i worked
1: as an uber driver for a while at night are you serious uh-huh really yeah driving all night long uh driving drunk people around you know how long ago was that uh Three, two or three years ago. Okay. So, not too long ago.
0: Yeah. But, but uh, so some of the more creative stuff you've done. So, I mean, like, obviously the videography uh-huh. at um, Operation Underground Railroad. Yeah. But you've done some comedy stuff, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, I started doing uh, stand up comedy. Uh, actually, just, uh, so I did it in college. A couple times and i really liked it but i got so nervous beforehand
0: you puked i didn't i didn't
1: quite puke but i wanted to every time like i just would feel sick uh-huh. like being backstage before i was about to go on like i just i i was i felt so sick that i finally was just like i can't do this anymore like and i didn't have any bad shows i remember there was one joke That I told that, like, really did bad. And I, like, felt really bad about it because it was pretty an insensitive joke. Like, it wasn't bad, but it was just insensitive to people, which is why I didn't do well. And, uh, but other than that, the whole time I felt like, um, I was just so sick of nervousness that I just eventually stopped and I didn't touch it for five years, five or six years. Oh, wow. And then I started again just in January of this year is when I was like, okay, I, I felt like, you know, going back to feeling like comedy is one of the keys to helping make this world a better place by introduce using humor to teach kids how cool it is to be good. Um, that's what drove me back into it, and that's what made me like, okay, I can get over these nerves and everything like that, and I still get nervous before every show. I have a show tonight that I'm doing, and it's like, no matter what, I always will get nervous, but... I know why I'm doing it, and I have a higher purpose for getting good at stand-up comedy and for comedy
0: in general. So you can overcome that. And so I can overcome, overcome that. the nervousness. So just recently in January, mm-hmm. where so you still get nervous? Do you still get sick? I don't get sick. No. Okay.
1: I get nervous. I get if I suck, then I get sick afterwards. <laughs> you know, if I if I do a bad, if I have a bad set, oh man, it. It is miserable, and I'm like, this isn't what I'm supposed to do with my life. Like, I shouldn't be. I will
0: say, if the sick feeling so never goes away, then oh. you're probably not in the right place, because I used to knock doors for a living, uh-huh. as a lot of people know. I sold alarm systems door-to-door. I did that, too, for and a time. <laughs> you did? uh uh-huh. And so, every morning, I mean, we'd go out on the doors around noon yeah. every single day, and so all morning long, I just felt sick really just completely (laughs) felt sick just like oh my gosh i have to go out and do this again Uh and every every single day that feeling no matter how successful i was no how many how many i'd closed the day before
1: Mm
0: -hmm. um that feeling never went away and it was the greatest feeling ever when i was done with that job and i was like wow i don't have that like (laughs) that just sickening feeling inside of me you know and especially on the first door you go to that was always super scary Uh but Anyway, yeah, first door of the day, meaning
1: yeah, I hated that job. Oh man, that was, <laughs> that was so
0: nice well, so stand up. Let's come back uh, to stand up a little bit. Yeah. Um. What are some of aside from like having the higher purpose that drives you mm-hmm. past the nerves? Mm-hmm. Um. What are some some keys, I guess, to success in developing your stand up? Because you've told me this before. You you've you've now got about. You said about 30 minutes of, of material. Uh-huh. Um, and for those of you that aren't familiar, comedians develop um, sets, right, is what it's called? Yeah. And tr- usually for, like, a show, they're developing, like, an hour-long set, roughly.
1: Yeah, if you're doing, like, a full show that's, like, going to be filmed and everything like that, which is the goal, which is where I'm hoping yeah. to get to. Well, maybe not even
0: necessarily filmed in some cases, like, if you're going and performing at a corporate event. Right. Yeah, or yeah. if you're... Um, um, going to, uh, just any kind of a local, you know, bar or someplace where you're performing, they usually want about that much material, right? Yeah. If, you if you're get like and, getting paid to do it. Yeah. And if you're getting like paid that, to do it, essentially you've got to have, um, a show that you've, then that's what you're preparing. Right. Right. So how many jokes do you have to write to get a good one? Um, oh, that's what's not... your, what's your hit rate? Like what's your th- throwaway rate? I want to know what this is
1: throw away right um so a lot of a lot of comedians will like write down jokes and then they'll go uh tell them at like an open mic yeah and then they'll see like okay that one did well this one didn't you know uh-huh. I, every time i do an open mic i record it with my phone i listen to it afterwards i see how big the laughs are for each joke figure out which ones i need to punch up and everything like that yeah um and by punch up i mean make funnier yeah I don't know
0: modify if... uh-huh. change the timing uh-huh word tweaks yeah. Any of that kind of stuff, right?
1: Yeah. And my humor is, I do a lot of storytelling. That uh-huh. That's my favorite kind of humor for anyone who knows comedians. Mike Birbiglia is one of my big inspirations. And uh, he's a, a magnificent storyteller. Yeah, like, he is just really good at storytelling. Amazing. And uh, so I, I do storytelling kind. And what's kind of interesting is that I've always been a storyteller. And so all of my jokes... M- are are telling stories that i've already told dozens and dozens and dozens of times for many different crowds yeah and and as i've been telling them throughout my life i keep on finding i've just been like finding new ways of tweaking these and kind of preparing them for stand-up without really consciously thinking about it yeah like i've just told these stories so many times and just always like told them different ways trying to get more laughs out of them and everything And so my like sitting down and writing jokes is sitting down and thinking about stories from my life Mm -hmm. and then figuring out funny ways to tell them. And so to say like, okay, I have to write uh, 20 jokes to get one good joke
0: I haven't exactly, I haven't figured that out. It doesn't necessarily, you haven't haven't distilled it down to that science. Correct. Yes, I
1: haven't. It's just like, oh, this is a story that I've told to people and they've laughed at it before. Okay, I'm going to try it again and then I'll figure out a funnier way of telling that. And then I'll just be working on the intricate wording within that story, which hopefully that story has quite a few punchlines through it.
0: How many times do you have to go to an open mic do you feel like to kind of perfect a story?
1: Um, I would say I'll tell the same story usually around five times. Okay. At, at that around, gives us
0: at least a little bit of a benchmark there uh-huh. of like the kind of work you have to put in.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so I would say about five times, but even then in between that, I'll You're like. testing on other people. I'm testing on other people. I'm workers roommates. Co-workers, yeah. Yeah. And I have a couple of people who are friends of mine who are, I know are just funny people. And I'll call them up and just, hey, let me tell you this story. Tell me what's funny. Tell, tell me how I can make it funnier. Mm-hmm. I'll tell it to them. And then they'll give me ideas and stuff like that.
0: And so. How many of your stories do you end up just not using altogether because they just kind of flop? Um, Probably about half. Okay. But you've done enough testing in just storytelling in your life leading up to it. And you've kind of been making a mental log uh-huh. of what works and what doesn't. Yeah. You already kind of know some things that are funny that people react well to. And so, essentially, your open mic is just like everyday life. Yes. A little bit. Yes. Um, is that That's kind intriguing. of your, your your preliminary open mic. And then you go and do an official open mic where you really test the stuff and refine and you end up at about a 50% rate, that's pretty good.
1: Yeah, and what's what's interesting is one thing I just realized is, I, so I'm 29 years old, and I'm single. So I've gone on a ladies. lot. Of, <laughs> <laughs> ladies, if you're listening. Oh, yeah. I've gone on a lot of first dates. And uh, what's like, uh, and I love stories. And so on first dates, I, I've probably told these stories so many times on first dates, and I'm just constantly gauging, you know, Is this funny? Is this not... And so, date I never realized this till just
0: now, but Little think, do they know? They're not actually dates. <laughs> they are an they, open mic they, source for they me. Are an open mic reaction chamber for you, as you like, let's see who will laugh at my jokes. Uh, Tinder, here we go. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah.
1: Okay. So that that's actually helped me a lot in my stand up. Just to admit to that right now. Yeah. Yeah, just to <laughs> admit to that. it's no. going on first dates and trying out jokes on girls like yeah and also having weird date stories that <laughs> yeah, also sure. provides content for yeah
0: first dates are always the best stories yeah no joke anyway cool all right um awesome any biggest challenges you face in in comedy
1: um i would say I, whenever you have an off night and you just don't feel like you're funny and maybe it's at an open mic or maybe it's just when you're like trying to think of jokes and you can't think of anything. Yeah, It's just, it, it's so easy to get discouraged. And maybe that's just me, but I think in any creative field, whenever you're trying to create something new, that, that's just a constant struggle. You're always like, wait, I, I don't know how to do this anymore. I think, I think I'm broken. I don't think I can be funny anymore. Like mm-hmm. that, that happens to me so frequently where I'm like, "Sure, I lost it. Yeah. like it, it was there, and, and I lost it. Like uh-huh. I'm not, I'm not funny anymore, and I, I I'll go like a week or two in just like a slump of like not being able to write any jokes, and I, I just keep trying. Like that's the I only option. Say, yeah, and then is, how do you overcome? Yeah, I just have to keep trying, and I, I don't try every day. When I I was in one of those slumps probably a month ago, and I would try a little bit. I'll think about it a little bit every day, but. Then after roughly two weeks or so, I, I thought of a story and that I hadn't told yet. I practiced it several times, told it to a couple people, went on a first date, <laughs> told the story to the girl. She laughed really hard, and I was like, okay, I think this is ready for an open mic. And, and I went and brought it up, and, and it did really well at the open mic, and I was just like, I got it again. Like, it's awesome. back. And I think that's a constant struggle It's just feeling like i can't do this but then you just keep trying and and then you find out that you still can
0: did the girl get a second date no <laughs> <laughs> okay on that note thank you for joining us today on with the ice cream hits the fan jake it's been a lot of fun thanks for being our guest today yeah absolutely again jake thanks. christensen yeah where do they follow you do you want, is there an instagram account is uh, there? yeah instagram handle yep jake c yep Y E P, yep, Jake C. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's Is it. that the one to yep. follow? Okay. Thanks for coming on. And for those of you listening, make sure you subscribe and rate and review when the ice cream hits the fan so we can get this out to more people. And thanks for joining us. We'll see you on the next one.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Okay.